0: Awesome. Well, look, just before you take a seat, give someone a, a nice handshake of some kind, preferably one that's a bit fancy, and then take a seat if you want. I was thinking you could make up one with the person next year, but that's, maybe that's a bit too much. All right. Well, look, great to be back. I've been on a few weeks of leave, which is fantastic. Thanks so much for everyone who sent well wishes and stuff for uh, the birth of baby number three, baby Ayla. Shout out. Hearing my voice right now in the parents' room, I assume, although she's very sleepy. She's a very sleepy newborn, which is an amazing blessing. Not Mila, though. She's, she's demanding attention, uh, and Asha knows what I'm talking about. So excited for summer camp as well this week. Are you keen, those who are going on summer camp? Are you keen, parents, who are sending your kids on summer camp? Yes, that's what we want. All right, so tonight we're going to read through a passage from uh, the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 18, and we're going to read about uh, what I would call, it's like a Western-style showdown between King Ahab and Yahweh's faithful prophet Elijah. And just before we get into that, just a quick truth for you, okay? The Bible says about itself that it is a living and active book that's like a sharp sword, okay? So, a lot of you will know what this verse is. It's a sword that's purpose is to cut deep beyond just the surface level layer to the the very innermost parts of who we are, to our heart and to our soul. And our heart is the throne of all of our decisions and our beliefs, right? So it's the core part of who we are. Meaning that the story that we read tonight is not just contained to some dead history book, okay? But it has power to change us by a work of God, a living work of God, But not only change us, the Bible wants to reveal to us the glory and the power and the authority of the one true God. And it's revealed not just in this story, but we've already heard it tonight through communion and the songs that we've been singing, all right? So that's a little primer for you, all right? But let's pray, and we're going to get into it. All right, Father God, we come before you, Lord, and we just acknowledge, Lord, that, I mean, we weren't there at the time when this happened, and this happened thousands of years ago, uh, but... Because your word is living and active, God, we, we are hungry, Lord, to sense it and see it and see you in the, in the pages and in the words, Lord, and, and to hear what you want us to know from this word tonight. So we just declare that we're open and we're keen and we're ready. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. All right. Look, just before we begin chipping through, just a little bit of context for you. It's been 100 years since David has been on the throne at this moment in 1 Kings, and Israel has actually divided into two, okay? And the Israelites at this point have abandoned God, the one true God, and they're now serving the pagan Canaanite god Baal. And all of this has happened under the leadership of King Ahab and his troublemaking wife Jezebel. All right, so that's where we're at, and we're going to pick this up here. Now, Obadiah He's a servant in the palace. He's he's a faithful uh, follower of God. Um, And we're just going to read through parts of this. So, you ready? Do come up on the screen. All right. So, Obadiah went to tell Ahab that Elijah had come, and Ahab went out to meet Elijah. When Ahab saw him, he exclaimed, So, is it really you, the troublemaker of Israel? And Elijah replied, I have no trouble for Israel you and your family are the troublemakers, for you have refused to obey the commands of the Lord and have worshipped the images of Baal instead. Now summon all Israel to join me at Mount Carmel along with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asher, Asherah <laughs> who are supported by Jezebel. Shout out Asher. So Ahab summons all the people of Israel and the prophets at Mount Carmel. All right, there's three groups that you need to see, okay? There's, first of all, there's Elijah, the faithful prophet of God. He's here. He's on this side. You've got the 450 prophets of Baal and Ahab and Jezebel and those other prophets as well, of, of Asherah. They're on this side. They've rejected the living God and they're following Baal. And then you have gathered around Mount Carmel, the Israelites, who were sort of scattered around the region in caves. Jezebel sort of run them off in different places. And, and uh, Elijah's come and says, gather them all around, bring them all here, and the Israelites are here. And that's who we're going to look at first of all. This is what the passage gets us to look at. Okay, so think of these three groups, and then think of God, who's coming later on. Okay, so here we are in verse 21. Then Elijah stood in front of them, the people who'd gathered, the Israelites, and said, How much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. But the people were completely silent. So that's the Israelites. They're hobbling between two opinions. The Israelites are classic fence sitters what I'm going to call rodeo fence sitters. The clowns. Rodeo clowns. I don't know, maybe Pastor Jack's the only one, Pastor Jack and Carol, the only one who knows what a rodeo clown is. Okay. These are the guys who, they're not in the arena on the bull, probably like a, a bit like Elijah. Okay. These guys aren't the ones comfortable in the crowd, eating the hot dogs and the popcorn and drinking the beer, watching the action happen. No, these... Rodeo clowns are sitting on the fence watching it happening, they sit, and then when their job's to take over, they run in, and then they sometimes get hit by the bull, and then they hobble back, and they get back on the fence again, right? And that's their job. They're clowns. Just a little side tangent of thought. Think of how much time is wasted when we sit on the fence with decisions, Think of how much life is wasted when we sit on the fence with decisions. It's interesting that this passage uses this phrase, hobbling between two opinions. Other English translations say limping, and we're gonna come back to that in a minute. But it's actually a great image of the foolishness of indecision. Now, I'm not talking about waiting. Waiting's different because waiting is a decision. But if waiting is actually not making a decision, then it's indecision and it's wasteful. That, that's the image that this verse is giving us here. This going back and forward, not lively, just hobbling between two things. Okay? Have you got the image in your head? So it's not the... Well, just one more point on this. You know, the Bible teaches in Ecclesiastes that our lives are like a vapor. Okay? Winter mornings, you'll step outside You breathe in, you see the mist. You breathe out, it disappears. In the scale of eternity, the time that has come before and the time afterwards, our lives are but a breath, that quick. Now, it's not the focus of the message tonight, but the Word is asking us, what are you sitting on the fence about? Has God called you to do something or to stop something in 2022? and you're still on the fence about it in 2023 or 2012? And most importantly, which is what this passage is getting us to think about, are you sitting on the fence with God like the Israelites with no allegiance to either God or the world? You're in, you're out, you're hobbling. God's word is showing us that there's a foolishness when you are undecided. And we see this through the Israelites. He wants you to choose. Are you in or are you out? Remember what Jesus says to the church of Laodicea. I would prefer you to be hot or cold, not lukewarm. Right? Anyways, keep that there. Back to Elijah. Okay. Verse 22. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only prophet of the Lord who is left. But Baal has one hundred, sorry, 450 Prophets. Elijah is outnumbered 450 to 1, and he lays down the terms and conditions of this showdown that's about to happen. One bull, that's a sacrifice, one altar each, and call down your God, Baal Yahweh, to light it up, right, to get lit. And the 450 prophets get the privilege of going first. We read in verse 26, so they prepared one of the bulls and placed it on the altar. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noontime. Let's just say four hours, give or take. Shouting, O Baal, answer us. But there was no reply of any kind. Then they danced, hobbling around the altar they had made. They dance and hobble for hours. We've got some hobblers here, right? The Israelites hobble, the 450 prophets of Baal hobble, and God wants us to see this right now. Okay, this word hobble or limping, it's a very rare Hebrew word. It's barely used in the entire Bible, and it's almost like, well, it is. His Spirit, who's inspired these writers to record history, has selected this word and he's drawing it t- us to attention right now to see something. Okay, what is he wanting us to see? The indecision of the Israelites is in the same category of foolishness as the weird worship ritual of the prophets of Baal. What do I mean? With God, there is not three choices. You're either in or you're out. There's no fence sitters. And this is a bit of a warning, honestly, a wake-up call for us in our Western worlds where we really like to keep our options open. We love it. We not only like convenience, but we've structured our lives and our society to reward convenience over commitments. 30-day refund policies free trials, taste testing, friends with benefits, and the best and worst of all, all-you-can-eat buffets, where you, you just want that one thing, but everyone else wants that one thing, and so you have to wait for it to be refilled, okay? We like this, we like this, but with God, there's two options, you're in or you're out, Fence sitters with God are like the rodeo clowns of these Baal prophets hobbling, walking around, saying these empty words to an empty God for hours and hours and hours on end. And I say rodeo clowns because what we see next from Elijah is kind of the purpose of you know the clown artistry, which I don't really know much about, is clowns are funny because you get to make fun of them, right? You get to mock them. And we see Elijah hilariously beginning to mock the prophets. In verse 27, about noontime, Elijah began mocking them. You'll have to shout a little louder, he scoffed, for surely he is a god. Perhaps he is daydreaming, or relieving himself, or maybe he's away on a trip, or is asleep and needs to be wakened. Pretty funny, but it gets a little sad when they respond to this mocking, with even more hobbling, even more ridiculous rituals. Now, get ready for this, guys. What happens next is even more ridiculous than what we've just seen, of standing around this mountain calling out to this God for hours on end with no answer. And look, there's a little bit of a trigger warning here, because if you've ever experienced or have... uh, worked with anyone or being close to somebody who has self-injured before, okay, where we try to cope with emotional pain or mental anguish or our past by trying to physically hurt ourselves so that we can take our minds off something, then this may be a little bit triggering. So I just wanted to give a trigger warning here. And if that is you, I want you to know that you can receive help from others for whatever you're going through. And the church exists for that reason, pointing obviously everyone to the Lord Jesus, who is our healer. But all that to say, and you'll see why I said that right now as we read this in verse 28. So they shouted louder, and following their normal custom, this is normal, they cut themselves with knives and swords until the blood gushed out. They raved all afternoon, hobbling, hobbling, until the time of the evening sacrifice, and still there was no sound, no reply, no response. The Bible's making clear to us tonight this reality. Choosing to live for anyone other than God is foolish. It's foolish. Now, we may not be calling on Baal, but I think about the pursuits that I had back in my teenage years and even in my early childhood, I was hobbling through life. I was limited. And if you live for anyone else or anything else or any pursuit other than God, you're putting something in the place of God that will not do what God does. Whether it's fulfilling your desires, pursuing happiness, advancing a career, accumulating wealth, building a home, chasing high marks, searching for a lifelong partner or anything else, not saying that those things are bad, but within the context of it being a God, it's bad because it will lead you, like all false gods do, to hobble through life. They demand your blood, your sweat, your tears, and they will never answer what your soul is craving. We all have a God. Who do you live for? Make your God the living God who answers, who answers. And that's what we see, and that's who we see show up next. Elijah prepares this altar. He collects 12 stones, which the Bible records represent the 12 tribes of Israel before the Israelite people, lays down some tinder, some wood, sets up the altar puts the sacrifice, the bull on it, cuts it up, begins to pour gallons and gallons of water all over the altar, okay? So they went a little bit, Elijah went a little bit extra than the Baal prophets, pouring water, probably not the best thing to do when you're asking God to light a fire, okay? But just like Elijah is disadvantaged, even when God's disadvantaged, he's not actually disadvantaged, okay? God is seemingly disadvantaged, but he's not disadvantaged, And look, just some other thoughts, guys. Again, slightly off, slightly on. You know, sometimes I actually feel like I disadvantage God even more when I live my life in a way where I'm like, man, I can't possibly be used by God, right? Because of who I am, what I've done, how I think. And it's almost like I'm asking God to use me while I'm also pouring water on my head. And I'm like, God, come light a fire in me, but I'm pouring water in my head. I can't be used by him because I'm so short of his standard. You know, you read that in Romans that we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. I'm not gifted. I've got no idea what to say, how to say. I don't understand what to do. All of that seems like I'm pouring water all over myself. At the same time, I'm asking God to light a fire. And then we see what happens next. We're about to read why Elijah has organized this showdown in the first place. In verse 26. At the usual time for the offering for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed. O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that you have done all this at your commands. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so that these people will know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have brought them back to yourself. You know, I started by pointing out those three groups, right? Elijah and the prophets, Ahab, Jezebel, and then the Israelites, and we've gone through all of them. But we see here that this is not about Elijah. He's just a humble servant, obeying what the Lord has told him. He's a prophet. This is not even about Baal or Ahab or the Israelites and their foolishness and their ridiculous rituals. This is actually about God and His reality, His love, his power. He's the one who reveals himself to the Israelites, who proves himself as the God of Israel to Ahab, and God is the one who reveals himself to us, none more than the sacrifice of his son Jesus. In 1 John it says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his son to his one and only Son, into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. We don't need to hobble around in pursuit of God, spilling our blood to get his attention. God is the one who has spilt his blood on the cross through Jesus to get our attention. You catching it? And so we read in verse 38, immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and it burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones and the dust. It even licked up all the water that had been gathered around in the trench that they built. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, the Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord is God. In that moment, the Israelites had their mind made up because they'd seen the living God answer Elijah's prayer. No more hobbling, no more foolishness. God once again showed his love by revealing his glory to them and then destroying all the rest of it, all the other things, the, tw- the 12 stones that were piled up, you know, like the Israelites had divided into these tribes and there was, you know, a, a leader within those tribes and it was so much part of their identity And in that moment, God just says, No, it's not about the tribe thing. I know you're scattered, it's not about the tribes, it's about me. Because that's gone. Right? It's not about the sacrificial system, the bull, and the you know, the routines of, you know, I'm not in the sacrifice. I'm the living God, the sacrifice, let me just burn it all up. Right? I'm not even your disadvantage, the things that you do, the water that you're pouring on. No, no, no. I'm I'm not in that. I am the living God right here. Look to me. Look to me. There's one more verse at the end of this story, and then it goes on actually to something really awesome where God brings rain after drought for three years, and we keep going through the story. But we see that the, the prophets of Baal, who had made their decision, right? Right? That made their decision to ignore the God of Israel. God commands them something quite intense. He, He commands Elijah to destroy all the prophets of Baal. We read this in verse 40. It says, Elijah commanded, seize all the prophets of Baal. Don't let a single one escape. And so the people seized them all, and Elijah took them down to the Kishon Valley and killed them there. God has grace for those Israelites that were there that day. He revealed himself to them. And tonight, I want to actually make two appeals tonight as we enter into a bit of a ministry time, and I'll ask the um, team to get up now, please, as well. Two appeals tonight as we've, like, what do we do with this, right? What do we do with this story? What does God want to do through his living word tonight? Well, the first appeal is to anyone in the room tonight who would say, through the living power of his word tonight that we've gone through, that God has revealed himself to you. And perhaps you've been exposed that you're like Ahab and the prophets living with another God, okay? You've been pursuing another God. And you wouldn't say the God of the Bible is, is the one that you've been following. You've lived your life rejecting God but in this moment right now, you're responding like the Israelites responded because you've seen His glory in the Word tonight. Maybe as I've been describing this, like hobbling around, this foolishness of indecision, you've thought of some things, you know, that you've been indecisive about. And the main thing being your, your, your uh, following of, of the Lord Jesus, you've realized that your life has actually been a A life of hobbling, never being satisfied, pouring yourself over and over and over to the many gods of this world, one after the other, this thing after that thing, even to the point of pouring out your own blood, sweat and tears. But now in this moment, by the power of God's word, your heart has turned towards him and you're making a decision right now to follow God because he's revealed himself to you tonight. To the power of this amazing showdown and so if that's you tonight I want to pray a prayer right now following Jesus for you and so can we just take a moment here and everyone across this room just bow, bow your uh, close your eyes bow your head get into your own space I'm gonna ask God to search our hearts right now and then pray a prayer and you can pray this prayer with me as I pray it out loud Father God I, you're the heart searcher Lord God, you you know me better than even I know myself. And so, Father, have I put something else in the place where I've been pursuing you as God? I've been pursuing something else that I've put in that place of authority. And it hasn't answered. It hasn't satisfied. And I've been walking around, doing my own thing. And right now, Lord, by the power of your word, you've revealed yourself to me. And Lord, my response right now is to respond like those Israelites, to call out to you, to call out to you and follow you. So I pray, Father God, Lord, I acknowledge that, Lord, I'm not the one, Lord, who needs to sacrifice myself or to prepare a sacrifice, but I've heard that the, the power of Jesus and his blood and his sacrifice has been the Passover that we've heard from t- tonight, the Passover where my sins are passed over and your son, Jesus, stands in the place of righteousness and that I, I am made right in your sight because of Jesus and what he's done. Father, I take on that, that gift, Lord, that precious gift of belief in your son, Jesus. I'm grateful for it, Lord, and I need you to help me by your spirit each and every day Lord, to walk out a life where I am obedient to you and following you by the power of your spirit leading and guiding me every day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If that's you, I would really implore you tonight to grab a Bible from our Next Steps area, have a chat to uh, Mitch and Belinda, Sarah, whoever's out there. Let them know that this first prayer, this first appeal is the one that you've prayed and they would really love to help you navigate the next steps, okay? So you continue to grow. So that's the first appeal. But the second one here tonight is for anyone in the room who's realized that God's word has exposed indecision, right? It's exposed your indecision. And you want to ask God tonight to... Lighted it all on fire and I'll explain what I mean by that I've got a, a bit of a visual that I want you to picture here with me okay perhaps your indecision feels like you've got a million rocks in your head because that's what indecision feels like it's it's like okay all of these options are here before me which thing do I grab a hold of or what thing has my attention and it's just accumulated. You've just got all these things in your minds, okay? And I'll list a few in a minute. So these rocks are the things that are undecided, right? And think of now a funnel, okay? Like when I fill up my lawnmower, I have a funnel so the petrol doesn't spill everywhere, that kind of funnel where it's a a wide spout and then it sort of goes down, a wide opening, sorry, and it goes down to a small spout. And you put all those rocks into that funnel and when you go to actually pour water into it, it accumulates and it blocks the flow and it just sort of pours out the other ends, okay? And that's what indecision is like. And that funnel is actually your God-given calling and purpose. So you've got all these things, these things that you're indecisive about, and you've heard tonight that it's, it's foolish, right? It's a, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't be on the fence, don't be lukewarm. And as a follower of Jesus, we want clarity and we want to walk out in our calling without these things distracting us, walking us between this and the world and and God and this and church and family and all these things that compete for our attention. Now, if you're tracking with me, you'll know what I'm talking about, right? But what are these rocks? Now, I've just got a few, but I'm believing that God's going to reveal some tonight. As an example... Are you deciding to hold on to unforgiveness as the multiple options that you can take? Oh, I should say this. I should do this. I should rock up at this time. When the word clearly says, right, just as you have been forgiven, forgive much. That's the decision. It's clear. Perhaps another one. Are you staying in a ministry, maybe that you've been a part of for a long time here in the church, leading something, doing something, serving, where the grace has left and God is calling you to do something different, new, and you're indecisive about it. You're staying in the ministry, it's indecision. Or you're stuck in a relationship that's not God honoring and it's a dead end. Or it's not going to end well. And yet you're undecisive about what you need to do. Perhaps you're stuck in a job that limits a dream that God has planted. And it takes the the time and energy away rather than pursuing that dream or you're limited by a sin that you refuse to confess to another who could actually help you to overcome it. You know what the, de- the decision is, but you're choosing these other options and you're filling up your funnel with a whole bunch of different things. Maybe you're haunted by something that happened years ago, decades ago, and it's just there. You're unsure what to do with after school or uni or the work that you're in right now. You're unsure what life even looks like after finishing your career, retirement. Or anything else that could be summarized as, I've got one foot in the world, I've got one foot in God, and I'm blocked, right? Well, here's what we can do, church family. We can ask God in an instant to light it all on fire and give us this clarity. I'm not talking about things that we're waiting for, that's a decision. But when we don't know what to do and we need that clarity, of who I'm pursuing and what my calling is? Well, right now, I want to pray for you. So how about we just all stand up for a moment and the team is going to lead us in some worship. But I really felt tonight that, because that's been my 2022, where I've had all these things in my minds taking attention from my calling. And I've just had to ask God, light it all on fire, show me your glory and lead the way, Lord God. So I'm going to pray. How about we just close our eyes? If you would like prayer ministry, just do whatever you need to do to be open right now to this moment. The Father God, I come before you, Lord. You're the, you're the life giver. You're the one with all the power, all the glory. And you're the one who desires for us to have clarity of our calling. But we've been like people who've been tossed like a boat on the waves, back and forward, here and there. So many rocks of indecision. But right now, just like the Israelites saw when Elijah called down fire from heaven, Lord, I'm asking that there would be clarity in our minds of the decisions that we need to make. Lord, help us to let our yes be yes and our no be no and our calling to and the cause of Christ, Lord, to go forward in our life. Lord, let no time be wasted. Lord, our vapor life, our, our life that is so short, on things that are taking and sucking time away from us. But God, we all wanna be people who are living with a a single kingdom cause and a single kingdom purpose because you're the king who gives us these commands. It's clear in your word what you're asking us to do. And so I pray for your people right now, whoever's battling here with that indecision, Lord, light it all up on fire. Let the funnel be clear so that your life-giving spirit can pour out and lead us in where you want us to go. We love you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's worship together.